changes. What's the Word? Brought to you by Columbia Baptist Church in Columbia, Kentucky on 101.9 WAIN. I am Randy Johnson, the senior pastor at Columbia Baptist Church, and thank you for joining us every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock right here on 101.9 WAIN. Good evening once again. This is Randy Johnson, your host for What's the Word? This is my Wednesday radio show. Uh, Over the last couple of months, I've taken a couple of weeks off just to give a little space in between these weekly radio shows. I certainly don't want to beat a dead horse, talk about all the same issues all the time, and so I've tried to give myself a little bit of space to think and pray and consider about what kind of content I wanted to put on the show. But I'm very thankful that you're here joining me tonight on 101.9 WAIN or on 1270 AM or on 1019WAIN.com. You can live stream in case you're in your car now and want to catch the rest of the show once you get home or on your smartphone or iPad, computer, whatever it might be, you can find it streaming on 1019WAIN.com. And I'm thankful for the good folks at WAIN and thankful for uh, 101.9. You know, I just, I, I thank people uh, try to do so often and try to remember the hard work that goes behind the scenes of things that, listen, we take for granted all the time. You know, I mean, you think about things that go on behind the scenes at a grocery store, things that go on behind the scenes in a government office, things that go on behind the scenes even at a church. You know, it's, it takes a special bit of recognition. Uh, it, it takes a little bit of time. It takes a little effort to really you know, thank those folks that do things that other people will never see, that just make things happen. And so I'm very thankful for the folks at the radio station for this opportunity, certainly thankful as always for the folks at Columbia Baptist Church, where I get to be the senior pastor and enjoy uh, teaching and preaching and leading and investing in people's lives And listen, all of our lives, one way or the other, are going to need some ministry. And if God uses me in some way to intersect in their life, to make a difference, then I consider myself blessed to be able to do it. But uh, anyway, all of that being said, I'm glad that you found me. And in case you don't get a chance to listen to the entire show, I mean, one hour may be a lot for you to invest, But you can catch this program tomorrow. It will be uploaded on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And it is hosted by a website called Anchor. The website where you can go directly to find all of the past episodes of What's the Word. You can go to anchor.fm backslash walk this way. Just type that in on your computer, your browser, your smartphone, and it will pull up all of the episodes, including messages that I've preached and, and other shorter Bible studies that I've done. I have a ton of content there that you can find, and hopefully you'll find something that'll be encouraging to you. Uh, but I do pray and hope that tonight's program will be an encouragement to you. You can probably guess uh, most of the content that's going to be on the show tonight uh, just simply by knowing what's going on in the world. I mean, these th- this is not a day and time to talk about movies and TV shows and, you know, favorite fast food restaurants and, and who has the best French fries and you know, this is a day and time that needs some clarity, that needs some focus on what does the Bible say? What is the Word? And, and what's the Word say about how to interpret things that are going on in the world? Uh, listen, for a couple of months, it was the coronavirus. It was fear. It was panic. It was uncertainty. It was trusting leadership. Now, that we are, I think, on the downside or the downward slide, hopefully, of the coronavirus. Now we have issues with 
things like Black Lives Matter and things like police brutality and issues of uh, racial injustice and social injustice and social unrest. And, and this is the world in which we live in. Because I am a bit of a geek when it comes to documentaries and when it comes to books of certain kinds, listen, you're not going to find Christian fiction. You're not going to find, um, you know, Tom Clancy or any of those types of books in my library. Uh, the books that I are, am drawn to are real life real episodes of, of just human behavior, whether that is uh, crime, forensics, whether it is events that have happened in history that make people scratch their head. And I've watched many of the same types of documentaries. Well, because I'm that kind of a person, I tend to look at certain events like what's going on in our country right now through the lens of history. I'm not a history buff. I don't know everything about history, certainly. But there are certain key events that have happened in history that I think are helpful in diving into the American brain. You know, the if we can say an average or a somewhat normal American citizen... I think that there are certain clues, there are certain trends and characteristics that exist in the American brain of how we think about certain things. And particularly when something like police brutality, racism, social injustice, when those words are thrown at us and when that's what's talked about on mainstream media, when that's what's being posted on Facebook and and you know memes are being made both funny and sarcastic and news stories are popping up about you know people feeling this way and that way you can sort of go back to probably 10 or 12 major events in the in the history of the United States and you can pretty well draw a conclusion about why we are in the shape that we're in why we're dealing with what we're dealing with and you can sort of understand where there's a lack of hope and a lack of belief that progress is being made in certain areas uh, and, and, you know, with certain issues, I should say, uh, with certain groups of people. And so, yeah, that's, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Not exclusively that, but that is going to be a large part of what we discuss and what I discuss tonight. And I always invite you, if you have any thoughts or you have any comments that you'd like to share, my email address is randy at columbiabaptist.com. You can email me anytime with thoughts that you have, comments that you have, uh, if there are some topics that you think need to be discussed on a show like this. Um, I would love to do interviews with people that are willing to say, yeah, this is how I feel. This is what I think. And, you know, just like I take this hour every week to share not only what the Bible says, but also what, uh, you know, what I think about certain issues and, and how the Bible has shaped my thinking. I, I would love to have the opportunity to interview somebody who maybe has an opposing view or maybe a different perspective on something that I haven't taken to heart or haven't seen just yet. All that being said, I'm ready to dive in this evening. I always say this, I have a ton of stuff that I'd love to get to, but uh, the, the, really the theme of the show this evening is going to come from Aretha Franklin. Now, I know that some of you Motown experts would probably say, yeah, but Otis Redding did it first. Otis Redding recorded a song in 1965, and then two years later, Aretha Franklin recorded the same song, although the music was quite a bit different. Uh, Otis Redding's view of the song and the lyrics were obviously from a man's perspective, whereas Aretha Franklin, you know, she sang it from her female perspective. And being a, a strong, you know, independent type woman herself and, and being very talented, it kind of became an anthem for the women revolution back in 1967 for ladies to stand up, to stand strong, uh, you know, to, 
to, to be confident. And of course, if you were alive during the, the mid to late 60s, you could understand where the song would have been in terms of anthems for ladies everywhere. Well, it's sort of the theme for the show this evening, and it is respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I mean, those are the often repeated lyrics of Aretha Franklin's uh, respect. I mean, it it is a song about a woman saying to her man, look, when you get home, I, all I'm asking is for a little bit of respect. You know, when you get home, I'll show it to you. And when you get home, I want you to show it to me. And, you know, she's confident saying, look, when you get home, I'm the woman that you need. I'm here for you. I'm, I'm here living life with you. But, but don't come home and show disrespect. Come home and show me respect. Now, why would that be the theme for a show Uh, called What's the Word? Well, I'll tell you exactly why. And it's because that is what is missing the most right now in our country is just the lack of respect that I think we have for one another as as individuals. I mean, listen, I, I did a show two weeks ago and spent an hour rambling, ranting about basically the the foolish thinking of what we've come to call racism not foolish in the sense that that kind of of thinking and that mindset i'm not saying that it doesn't exist i'm saying it absolutely exists i just think that to treat somebody based on the color of their skin or you know where they come from or what continent they're from and to to put people in categories and to value one skin color over another is ridiculous but yet it exists and the way to break it down generation by generation is to treat people with respect and so several of the things that I'm going to highlight tonight are kind of saturated with that theme and listen I would say the same thing goes and a lot of people have drawn the analogy the same thing goes if we're talking about lives and we're talking about people and we're talking about respect then it even has to go in the womb because again some folks are saying listen I'll you know I believe in people having value and their lives mattering and you know we're kind of arguing about the sanctity of life when it comes to somebody who has a knee to the back of their neck and who dies on a street you know dies out there on the street as a result of a of a police hold on the back of their neck and and so we're upset about the value of human life and a lot of people are saying but why don't we get this upset and why don't we have marches and rallies for abortion or against abortion, I should say? And we do. And it is a hot-button issue. Every single time there's any kind of a presidential election or there's a Senate race or there's some kind of a, uh, an election of any sort, there's always the issue of abortion that comes up. And so, again, a lot of what I'm going to say tonight stems from the issue of respect. Well, starting with kind of the first major story that I want to share, it came out the other day, came out on Monday, that the Supreme Court of the United States decided uh, there was a long-awaited decision uh, whether sexual orientation and gender identity were going to be included in the definition of the word sex in Title VII of the federal non-discrimination laws. So essentially, the Supreme Court of the United States was asked to redefine if we're going to say that someone is not discriminated against in the workplace based on sex, what exactly are we identifying as sex? And of course, in the conversation that you know could be had I mean you could use that particular word in a in a variety of different scenarios and of course we're not talking about the physical act uh, between a husband and wife we're not talking about that kind of 
definition, but what we are talking about in terms of this discrimination law is we're just simply saying male or female. You know, when, when that's asked on some kind of an application or some kind of a document, you know, what is the sex, male or female, then this is what we're talking about in terms of discrimination. And so they sought to redefine or to clarify what it is that the word sex stands to represent on some kind of a job application or a discrimination factor. And so what they ended up doing is they opened up the door, some would say Pandora's box, but certainly the door of reinterpreting the word sex to include sexual orientation and gender identity. These are obviously two issues that have been huge over the last I would say few years, but have really ramped up, you know, in the last five to 10 years with some of the decisions and some of the, the businesses and, you know, how separation of church and state and the, you know, just what, what are the boundaries there for sexual orientation in terms of the workplace? You know, can a Christian organization, can a church say, you know, we're not going to hire someone who identifies as a homosexual. We're not, going to identif we're not going to hire someone who identifies as a transgender. And so for, you know, for many, many years, churches have been excluded because of their fundamental beliefs in what the Bible says that has stepped over, you know, into religion. And so the law has, has tiptoed that line to say, uh, that churches are not required as a secular business to fail to discriminate or, or to, you know, to be inclusive is a better way of putting it in their hiring process uh, because they, they are held to a different standard. However, now the, social, now the uh, Supreme Court has said that for businesses, we're, we're not just talking about sex meaning a man or a or a woman. Now we're talking about, let's say the, the, the person is born as a man, but they identify as a female. So their gender identity issue, their transgender issue cannot be grounds for discrimination in the workplace. Now, according to the Supreme Court, as well as their sexual orientation. So if someone does profess to be homosexual or someone does, uh, you know, identifies as a transgender uh, and, of course, you know, all of the, the different initials with the lesbian, the bisexual, the transgender, the homosexual, you know, all of those now, all, all of those categories, now they're all included in the sexual discrimination definition of we cannot discriminate based on sex. Well, before Christians begin to think, well, that doesn't apply to me. Let's take a step back here and let's realize something. Anytime the Supreme Court makes a decision that impacts businesses, that impacts the way of life, that impacts the definitions to the very fabric of the world in which we live, at some point it is going to have an impact on the church. It may not have this ruling Monday may not have an immediate impact on the church. But down the road, it certainly will. Because what we're talking about now is now the Supreme Court of the United States had once said, we're not going to allow businesses to discriminate based on the gender of either male or female. For many years, that was clear cut. Even, I mean, just right down the line, secular businesses we're not going to discriminate between male or female. Well, now there are other issues. There are other concerns. There are other lifestyle choices rather than just male and female. Now there are different categories, subcategories under those and included in uh, the LBQ uh, that movement. Now we're talking about issues that are subcategories of 
discrimination just simply based on lifestyle choices. And so now the Supreme Court is saying, look, we're not, we're not going to allow businesses to, to discriminate based on any of those subcategories. So in a sense, what you have is now the funnel has been widened. Now, instead of saying we're not going to allow discrimination based on these handfuls of categories, now we're going to broaden the funnel, make it even wider, so now businesses have to accept, even if it goes against the core beliefs of their management, even if this person's lifestyle goes against the core beliefs of the executives, now the Supreme Court says you cannot, you cannot judge someone, you cannot discriminate some, against someone based on that. Again, one side is looking for respect. The transgender, the lesbian, the, uh, the homosexual group, they're looking for respect in the workplace. On the other hand, you have people that own their own business that want to be able to, to stand and say, I want to hire who I want to hire. I want to bake a cake for who I want to bake a cake for. I, you know, I want to, to be a host of this group and not that group. And now, slowly but surely, those kinds of decisions are being taken away because there are more and more people in the United States who are identifying as homosexual, transgender, uh, you know, all of the other you know, subcategories that go into the homosexual lifestyle, the transgender uh, lifestyle. This is going to cause issues. This is going to cause problems. Down the line, what does the Bible say? The Bible is crystal clear. And this is where society veers off of the right path and they begin listening to the crowd. Anytime society veers away from what has been truth, what has been seen as truth, and what has been deemed as correct, and now redefines what, is, what was once right, now we consider it wrong, or we consider it misinformed. Now we're going to redefine truth and we're going to come up with this new truth so that everybody is, is respected equally. Well, when that happens, what about those that hold tight to the truth? So, so here's, here's, the, here's the big issue. You have for, <laughs> for thousands of years been under the impression that the Bible teaches that, man cre that God creates male and female. That is the only creation that God has made, male and female. In order for there to be a completion, in order for there to be partnership, in order for there to be companionship, and for there to be procreation, God has designed the human body with sexual organs where one man and one woman are appropriate in, the, in, their, uh, in, in, in how they are made to fit together as, as husband and wife for not only sexual enjoyment for their relationship, but also for procreation, for having children. Homosexual relationships do not have that. People will say, look, love is love. You define it. You know, I define it however I want to. That's not what the Bible says. And the Bible speaks many, many times about the issue of homosexuality. And now we have the Supreme Court, you know, 2,000 years after the New Testament was written, we have the Supreme Court saying, well, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to redefine the word sex to be more inclusive. And what we're going to do is we're going to move away from the traditional male-female definition of sex to include people 
that perhaps are born one sex but identify another or somewhere along the way instead of a traditional path of being a male they want to be a male but they want to be attracted to males they want to be in a loving relationship with males and so because of that if they quote unquote get married to a male as a business owner I have to offer the same married benefits to them that I would to a traditional married couple this is the world in which we live the world is now upside down where benefits adoption um, discrimination again we, you know when you okay so let, let me break down the word discrimination we're talking about the word discrimination and we're saying well you cannot discriminate against somebody based on their gender identity or their their lifestyle sexual orientation so in other words what you're saying is you cannot make a determination of benefits or values or or any any of those types of in-house company decisions cannot be based on whether or not this person is homosexual and again here's what we're talking about we're talking about companies that perhaps have had generations of leadership that stood for one thing, that held fast to the truth, that were confident in even what the Bible says, even if they were not a Christian, they still believed that male and female, that this is the way that God created it. Even if they don't believe in God, they believe male and female belong together, not male and male, not female and female. Now the Supreme Court has said, yeah, forget all of that. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter how your business was founded. It doesn't matter even how our country was founded. It doesn't matter what, what, what much of, of what the fabric of society holds together in a normal, healthy family unit. Now it's anything goes. Just think about the issue of, of adoption bringing children into a quote-unquote family of two men or two women who are living in a homosexual or lesbian relationship, somebody would say, well, that child deserves to be loved, and they're going to find love in that home. And I don't argue that they would find love in that home. I believe that they, that they would find love and care and and be taken care of and be able to go to school and have food and clothes and, you know, and, and grow up and, you know, have opportunity. I'm not arguing with that. What I'm arguing is why would we put a child into a home that is not designed to even properly teach the child how the human body was designed and what it was designed for? I mean, let's just imagine that you have a, a boy who is adopted by two males, living together, married, obviously in the eyes of the state and the laws of the state, and you have a child, a, a, a boy, a baby boy, put into that home. How is that child going to be raised? Well, it's not a stretch of the imagination to conclude that the child is going to be raised with strong <laughs> sensitivity toward the homosexual lifestyle. I mean, this is, this is the, the model that he is being raised in. He has two dads. Now, I'm not saying that these two men wouldn't love the boy. I'm not saying that two uh, females in a lesbian relationship who adopt a little girl are not going to love that child. What I'm saying is, why would you put the child in a home where the very fundamental DNA that they were born with is not going to be supported, but rather they're going to be encouraged to live in a way that their own body says is inappropriate? Not even speaking of the moral issue of the fact that the Bible says that homosexuality is wrong and that, that God certainly did not design the human body to be that way. 
So I say all of that to say this. The Supreme Court now has opened up a bigger can of worms that is going to need even further clarification of exactly what are the limits and what are the parameters that businesses and other organizations are going to have to abide by because of this ruling. So this is certainly not the end of any of this, but I can point to many passages of Scripture that have been fundamental truth of society for hundreds of years that teach that God created man, God created female, he created them to be in a relationship together, and because of this fundamental... Now listen, let me just stop right there. I know a lot of people are probably going to say, you know, you sound like a preacher, you sound like a pastor, you're saying what you're supposed to say, but what about all those unhealthy male-female relationships and, and the husband beating on the wife and the wife cheating on the husband and, you know, the drinking problems or the this or the that. What about, you know, these abusive situations? Listen, I'm not saying just because a man and a woman get married that it's a necessarily ideal situation that's going to be problem-free. What I'm saying is a man and a woman are designed by God to be together in a marriage relationship, and that's it. Now, whether or not a certain man and a certain woman ought to get married or ought to stay married, I'm not talking about that. I'm not even saying, as I mentioned earlier, that, that two women in a lesbian relationship or two men in a homosexual relationship would not show love and care and support for a child that they adopt. I'm not even talking about that. That's a whole other issue and a whole other show. What I'm saying is it is not the kind of situation that a child should be in. It's not the kind of, of lifestyle that is the way that the human body was even designed by God. So the Supreme Court is going to have a lot of answering to do. There's going to have to be a lot of clarification here. You know, I mentioned at the, well, several minutes ago, I would say at the top of the show, but it's, it's been a little while. I mentioned that the theme of the show is respect. And listen, anybody who knows me ought to know well enough that even in these conversations, I never want to disrespect someone of, of the, the core of who they are. I may not agree with their lifestyle. I may not agree with some of their choices. There are people that don't agree with me and don't agree with some of the things that, that have happened in my I get that. Because, listen, we are all entitled to how we see the world, how we interpret the world. My view of the world is through the lens of Scripture. That's why this show is called What's the Word? So I am certainly not spewing a lack of respect for any person in any situation that they're in. I'm just simply saying there are certain situations that our government puts us in as society. There are certain positions we put ourselves in as individuals that are not ideal, that are not healthy, that are not normal, and that are not biblical. And so that's where I'm coming from in describing all of this. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, nor does it take somebody who is supremely moral to agree with what I'm about to say. But I read the story just yesterday of a New York City woman who is 92 years old, hobbling down the street with a cane and with some kind of a cart that she's pushing, probably for groceries or you know for personal belongings or whatever. She's walking down the sidewalk in New York City and a young man who is 30, let's see, 31 years old, he, he passes her, she passes him, and right as they get shoulder to shoulder, he just sticks out his left arm, pushes her in the head, and she ends up falling and tripping. And so this got caught on closed circuit camera, and so now people are wanting to know, hey, do you know who this guy is? 
do you know, does anybody know where to find him? Well, they found him. He's already been identified in local media. And NYPD News put it out on Twitter. They put it out on social media. And sure enough, people recognized his face. They turned him in. But I watched the video. The video is only 13 seconds. You can see, knowing what's going to happen, you can see it coming. And he doesn't get angry. He doesn't say anything to the woman. He just, for no apparent reason, sees a lady who he doesn't even know. Nobody else is walking down the sidewalk, and he just extends his left hand, pushes her on the head, and causes a 92-year-old woman with a cane and some kind of a shopping cart to fall down on the sidewalk. Now, I don't believe that the lady was injured. She was taken to a local hospital just to get checked out. I mean, when you're 92 years old, you got to make sure everything, you know, safe and sound because bones get brittle and, and muscles aren't as elastic and strong as they once were. But she trips and falls and hits her head close to uh, a fire hydrant that's on the sidewalk. Now, listen. We are in a moment in the United States of America where there are groups of people saying, we deserve respect. We want better treatment than what we're getting. And this is the kind of stuff that happens that flies under the radar, that nobody sees, that nobody talks about. But a 31-year-old guy pushes a 92-year-old woman in the head on the ground, causing her to hit her head on a fire hydrant for what? Nothing. He doesn't, he doesn't take anything from the lady. He doesn't even stop walking. He turns around. He looks to see that she's fallen. She, he continues to walk. He goes on about his day. Listen, you don't have to have a very high level of respect to avoid just simply pushing somebody just because you can. I mean, this is a classic bully on the playground pushing down a kid. Why? Just because you can. And I'm telling you, what, what our society needs to, to do quickly is to take a breath and realize that every single one of us, I don't care what your skin color is, I don't care what your zip code is. I don't even care how much money you make. Regardless of any of those factors, every single person in our country needs to take a step back, take a breath, and ask yourself, am I showing respect to people that I live with, the people that live around me, to people that I pass on the street, people that I, that I talk to in Walmart? Look, you can go to YouTube, and you just type in, I wouldn't recommend doing this, but you can type in public freakouts and you will see 10, 12, 15, 20 minute videos of people just losing their minds yelling at other people. Why? Oh, I don't know, because you got my order wrong at the drive-in or I had to do this and I didn't want to or, you know, you looked at me or you thought I said this and I'm saying this. And I mean, it, it all boils down to we just don't respect each other. We don't respect each other to, number one, avoid those kind of confrontations by looking the other cheek or we also don't respect each other by, by doing something or saying something to put one another in those, in those situations and in that setting where we're forcing that person to show us respect even though we didn't show it into them. I don't understand that kind of stuff. I, I've been to New York four or five times. I love the city. I think it's, it's fun. I've never had any issue there. I've never felt unsafe in any place I've ever been. Eh, maybe the subway once or twice at night. But, you know, other than that, you know, I, I love the city. But guess what? This kind of stuff happens everywhere. It may not make national news, but it happens. Why? Because people don't respect each other. Speaking of respect, there is a website 
that I found just recently that I hesitate to even mention the name of the website. And I'm going to talk about it for a bit, and I'm going to try to decide if I want to tell you the name of the website. Because I don't necessarily want people to find the website. I don't necessarily want people to visit this website. Certainly, I don't want anybody to donate to this website, because they do ask for donations on it. But this website, though it has been a little while since it was updated, has a lot of different links to a lot of different websites that are very similar to it. And the core of this particular website is to abandon Christianity, to get rid of the Bible, to get rid of Jesus, to get rid of any Christian ideas. Now listen, where I found this website, I was not doing a search for ugly websites on the internet, but I saw a picture and a guy was holding a sign. And the sign simply says this, if Jesus returns, kill him again. You know, first of all, let me just say that Jesus is returning again, and this guy holding the sign who made it, hand wrote it, really should read the book of Revelation because the next time Jesus comes again, nobody's going to touch him. In fact, he's the one who's bringing justice and he's the one who is bringing the, the, the righteousness of God upon the sinfulness of humanity. That being said, this organization exists to get rid of the Bible get rid of the idea of Jesus, to encourage people to stop wasting their energy of anything related to an interpretation of the Bible, um, to quit leading a life that is in line with the Bible, stop indoctrinating children and adults in the Bible's beliefs, to eliminate the tax relief provided to the church, to hold the church accountable for their wrongdoings. Now, I might agree with him on that one, depending on exactly what he's talking about. Uh, to save individuals from grief and misery, he says, or they say, false information. Just all of these and yet, this website says the intent of the site is not to spread hatred for those who believe in Jesus. But they want society to be well. Um, they don't believe, obviously, in Jesus. They believe in the historical account of Jesus, but he's basically been mystified and exalted as the Son of God. And they claim that he never is, never was, never will be, never would be God in the flesh and certainly not the Son of God. There are a score, <laughs> there are a bunch of links, documents, there are things that you can purchase, there are things that you can support, there are t-shirts, there are at least a dozen or more websites that are right in line with this particular website. So it's not new. Uh, it, it, it has been two years since the website has been updated, though I'm sure it gets clicks all the time. That just simply means that the content has not changed over the last two years. They haven't, they haven't changed any of the fonts or they haven't added anything to it. But the content, the content is still there. And I, I don't think I want to tell you the name of the website because, frankly, I don't want anybody clicking on it. But I clicked on it because it was identified in this picture that I saw. And it piqued my curiosity as to why someone would, would advocate for an undoing of biblical teaching and seek to find what they consider, and they say on the website, wellness and healthiness to society when they are free from Christianity.
we're talking about, if we want to just talk about Christianity as a religion, let's, let, let's put it on that level. Let's just talk about it as an organized religion. Forget a personal relationship with God through Jesus. Forget a, a, you know, any kind of what this person might consider any kind of uh, warm, fuzzy feelings that people have in worship. and in, just, We're not even talking about any of that. Let's just talk about the fundamental truths or the fundamental beliefs of Christianity as a religion that this organization, this website, and, and all of the others that they advocate are saying we should eliminate Christianity from our society. Okay, so what is it about the Christian religion that deserves to be destroyed, that, that, that deserves to be eliminated? Well, as a person who reads the Bible on a very regular basis, let me just say that the Bible advocates for things like love, forgiveness, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, serving the needs of others, having the mind of Jesus, which means that you put the needs of others ahead of yourself, you have the kind of home that seeks to follow the leadership of God, and you seek to raise children to do right and to, as even Jesus quoted in the golden rule, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the, these are some of the fundamentals. Now I'm skirting over, I mean, hundreds of chapters in the Bible. I'm just, I'm just highlighting like seven or eight things that pop on my brain. I mean, you read the book of James, for example, it's what, five chapters? gives you some very practical advice about controlling your tongue, being quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. These are the things that this person is saying, you know, all of that stuff in Christianity just got to go. So, okay, so, so then what is the replacement? The opposite of Christianity? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, he would probably say, I'm not necessarily saying we need to do the opposite of Christianity. We just need to stop basing society on Christian beliefs. Oh, so you mean like forgiving each other and being self-controlled and serving each other and being kind toward one another and building each other up rather than tearing each other down and putting the needs of others ahead of ours. These are the kinds of Christian beliefs that flow out of the fundamental core of what it means to be a Christian. These are the things that you're saying we need to take out of society. So what's left? What happens if this kind of an organization, if this kind of movement succeeds? I mean, it's not going to happen, but let's just suppose, let's just play, as they say, devil's advocate, and let's just assume that an organization like this has enough momentum and they are somehow or other in the United States of America they take Jesus out, they take the Bible out, they, they just do a brain suck of all of the thoughts, the ideas, the teachings of the Bible, everything that has to do with Jesus, everything that comes from the Bible, and they bring what they consider now to be wellness and health to society that is not based on Christian ideas. What then would you say, how then should we live? What would society be like? That, my friend would be a scary place that no one would want to live. You take away Christian principles that our laws are built on, you take away the foundation of society that are based on what the Bible says, you take away the, the notion of people serving each other, loving each other, forgiving each other, you remove all of those Bible teachings and, and those thoughts and ideas and, and those truths from society, and what you have is a, a pretty well kind of a, a, a picture of what we're seeing right now. America's going the opposite way of what is honestly going to 
make the difference. I don't disagree with people wanting to hold rallies and hold up signs and have a voice and, and go on television and share how they feel. I think, as the book of James says, we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak. We need to listen more and talk a whole lot less. There are people who are hurting and broken and frustrated and they feel oppressed. They feel as though they don't have opportunity and we need to listen. And we as society need to fix those things as best we can in our generation for the benefit of the next generation. But let me just say this. If any of the efforts that are being made include a lack of respect, even for those who show you disrespect, we're never going to go the right way. The way that society is going to be fixed is not taking Jesus out, not taking the Bible out, not uh, removing Christian thoughts and beliefs. It's not by having hatred in our heart. It's not by showing an obvious, uh, uh, you know, an obvious lack of respect for people regardless of their skin color or their you know, ethnic background. We're never going to see society heal with anger, hate, unforgiveness. We are only going to see the American culture improve when we get closer to what the Bible says and not further away. That was good enough to say again. We are only going to improve American culture when we get closer to what the Bible says and not further away, when we start looking more like Jesus who died for the sins of the world and said to 12 people, take this message to every single continent, go to the ends of the earth and tell everybody that I have died for the forgiveness of their sins. It is not until we start looking and acting a whole lot more like Jesus that the world is going to change for the better. And so I am not very hopeful, honestly, for the way that things are going as long as hatred, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness is our motivation to get a message heard. It has to come from a place of humility. It has to come from a place that is willing to listen, slow to speak, but then serious about action. In fact, I read an article the other day that gave 10 tips for talking about racism with family or friends. Now, I'm not going to give you all 10 of these, but I do think that, that several of these are worth mentioning. And I, when I saw these these 10 things, and, and I may get to all 10 of them, I don't know, it depends on my time, but, but when I saw all 10 of these, I thought to myself, this is a great place to start, and, and where the list ends deals with the heart. The first, it says, educate yourself first so you can accurately articulate your opinion. I think this is true of both sides. I think that we have people on both sides of an issue who are misinformed, who are assuming a lot, and need to be educated on what it is that they are speaking for or against. Now, I'm not talking about any one particular group. I'm talking about everybody. Are there bad police officers? Yes. Are there good police officers? Yes. Are there criminals that have white skin and criminals that have brown skin and criminals that, that come from this side of the tracks and that side of the track? Are there good people that live in poor areas? Are there bad people living richer? You know, listen, all of us need to take a hard look in the mirror and do a little education. Just do a little bit of self-reflection. Let's look and see what is the real content of the issue of why somebody feels the way that they do. Again, Quick to listen, slow to speak. So I, I, I appreciate beginning with education and just educating ourselves on not only what is it that I'm defending, 
But what is it that this person is saying, where they're coming from, what is it about that that offends me that, I'm, that I take issue with? And I need to find out more about that. They said to lead with questions and curiosity. Listen, this, this is a classic communication tool. When you go to a conversation, you begin a conversation with somebody with something to say without having a question to ask and seeking information before you speak, then you shouldn't start, you shouldn't be in that conversation. Now, obviously, somebody has to go first. You mean you can't just have two people sitting there asking questions. But I think it is fundamental in communication that you've got to find out how does somebody feel? What do they think? What is it that they have experienced? Because people have experienced lots of different sides of, of, of issues, and you've got to find that out. I love this one. It says, avoid preemptively assuming and stewing over what you think your family member will say. Listen, a lot of times people get irritated before they ever start the conversation because they assume that somebody else feels a certain way. And so they're already mad coming to the conversation. I get that. But even if somebody starts a conversation with you and they are upset and they are assuming what you're going to say, that's, again, another reason why you need to be quick to listen, slow to speak. I love this idea. It says, be extra aware of what the other person has been socialized to believe and value. Now, I don't want to get into the mechanics of what that statement says, but this is just what I'm saying about everybody has a perspective. They've experienced something in a different way that other people have not. And so let's talk about that. Let, let me hear about that. You know, don't tell me what everybody in my skin color feels this way or everybody in my, you know, in my skin color is treated this. Let, let's talk about how have you been treated? What has been your experience? And it's not because that person can't make generalized statements. It's just that what's going to benefit our conversation is you tell me what have you experienced? What, what have you gone through? And let me hear from you. I love getting the background of people and how they think and what they, what they believe based on what they've experienced. Number seven on the list, be humble. Be humble. There is never going to be a time when humility is not called for. And if both sides of any issue, this issue or any of them, are going to be heard and see real change happen, it's going to start with humility on both sides. Humility is not a sign of weakness. It is a tremendous sign of strength. Because, as William Shakespeare said, discretion is the better part of valor. Choosing when to open your mouth, choosing what to stand for, choosing the, 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 the manner in which you communicate is the, the better part of, of the issue. It also says don't expect to solve everything in one conversation and when to pick it up later. Uh, if it says, look, if your family member reacts in a way that makes you feel unsafe or threatened, then just put a pause on it. And lastly, it says, consider this an opportunity for yourself, whether you don't need to tolerate where you don't need to tolerate disrespect, bigotry, or hatred. Listen, this is a time, again, as I said about humility, where the world needs to see Jesus. They need to see the humility, the patience, the forgiveness and the heart and mind of Jesus Christ. But Jesus was the only person who was the perfect mixture of both grace and truth. There are certain things that are true. There are certain things that are fundamentally at the core of, of our being on this planet and in this society that cannot and should not be compromised. However... There is much grace and humility that needs to be shared with people that need to receive it. And if I can be a source of that, if I can be a source of some way being a mixture of grace and truth, standing on not only what is right and how people should be treated equally and how people should be treated 
as valued and loved, there also needs to be grace when I have fallen short of that and when others have fallen short of that. I really hope to be part of the solution and certainly not part of the problem. That's why I love doing this show. And I hope that you have enjoyed it. If you have missed any of it, find it on my podcast tomorrow, which is called Walk This Way. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walk this way, or you can find Walk This Way on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Pocket Cast, several different ways. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I hope you have a great rest of the week. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN, right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walk this way on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and all sorts of Uh, places. You can find this broadcast. You can find messages that I've preached. And I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.